Hey, Jedi friend. Thanks for tuning in to the Changing Lenses podcast. I'm doing something a bit different in this episode. I'm sharing the four-part series of LinkedIn Lives that I did with career advice for racialized people and Jedi ideas for employers and recruiters. You're going to get the edited audio of each session in this podcast over the next several weeks. And just a heads up for any audio files listening, for this particular episode, my guest was traveling and had to record in a public area with lots of background noise. So thanks for bearing with any distracting sounds that we couldn't edit out. If you'd prefer to watch the full video recording of the whole live episode, you can find it on my website, changinglenses.ca forward slash training videos. So the idea for this first episode came to me when I realized that almost all the career counseling, mentorship, executive coaching, corporate training, all the professional development stuff I received over my 20-year career were almost exclusively from white people. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. I've been blessed to receive great advice and support from many white leaders over the years. But they were still white. And I'm not white. And that meant that there were some things, okay, many things, that we couldn't relate to each other about. So when I discovered Oscar Garcia, the special guest for this episode, I knew I had to have him on the podcast. Why? Well, Oscar is a Hispanic U.S. immigrant who went from being an ESL student to an author and a prac trainer of over 20,000 professionals across five continents. Today, he is the founder and chief empowerment officer of Aspira Consulting, where his mission is to empower you so opportunities come to you. If you, like me, have been craving career advice and mentorship from a racialized corporate leader who is relatable and relevant, then keep listening. I think you'll enjoy what Oscar has to say. And if you loved Oscar as much as I did, please share this episode with someone you know who needs to be empowered too. You can share straight from wherever you're listening to this podcast right now or from my website, changinglenses.ca forward slash podcast. Thank you, Jedi friend, and enjoy the episode. Welcome, everybody, to today's LinkedIn Live session. I'll just do a few introductory comments. We are here to talk about culturally relevant career tips to empower you. Uh, I am Rosie Young. I'm your host and your Jedi journey guide. And I'm here to help people with privilege dismantle systemic inequity while helping people without privilege survive it. Now, if you haven't heard the term Jedi before, it isn't just an awesome warrior in my all-time favorite movie. In this context, it's also an acronym that I use, which stands for Justice, Equity, Decolonization, and Inclusion. These are all causes which I coach people on and am deeply passionate about. And as I mentioned a little bit earlier, I am coming to you live from what we now know as Canada. Uh, it is actually the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe, the Huron-Wendat, the Haudenosaunee Confederacy, and the Mississaugas of the Credit, as well as other nations indigenous to this land. And this is colonized land that is also known as Toronto, which is my home, um, and it is also the home still today to many diverse First Nations, Inuit, and Métis people of Turtle Island. Now, I'm super excited that this is the first uh, live in a series of lives on how to survive the job search and how to survive in your career. And it's all about supporting racialized people, also sometimes referred to as people of color. I prefer the term racialized, while they are looking for work. All the job advice that I've gotten in my life, from high school counselors to professional career coaches, 
have been from white people. All the books that I've read on finding a job that you love, all the online articles and podcasts and HR handbooks on how to write a good resume that will get you noticed, almost all from white people. Now, I bet there are some of you out there thinking, uh, Rosie, do you not like white people? Like, what's wrong with getting career advice from white people? Nothing wrong with that. And yes, I do like white people. Most of my mentors, people who have really helped me in my career, I've learned a lot from them. Nothing wrong with white people. That is not what I'm trying to say or not. That's not what this is about. And in fact, we need to be learning from the people who are frankly controlling the job market. The problem I have is when I'm only getting advice from white people. So it's not about people being white or not white. It's about the diversity and relatability of the advice that I'm getting and that you're getting. Because no matter how much I've assimilated into white culture, and believe me, I'm pretty assimilated, I still don't feel like I quite fit in. And the techniques and the tips on what to say, how to act, when to be aggressive, when to be quiet, they don't feel natural, and they often conflict with my own cultural values that I learned from my Chinese family. So in a day and age when employers are starting to accept the idea that employees need the freedom to be themselves, I still feel like I can't fully be myself while following all the old ways of working. So here's where Oscar Garcia enters the picture. Literally, he's in this picture because he's live. Hola, Oscar. Hello. Nice to see you. Hello. Friends, I am so excited and honored to have Oscar join us today. If you are not already following him on LinkedIn, please go ahead and do that right now. Uh, I knew Oscar was awesome from day one when I read his profile and his tagline that says, introvert turned international speaker. I'm like, wait, what? Amazing. I'm an introvert. I need to know how to do that. And then his tagline also says that he provides culturally relevant career and leadership training. So that immediately piqued my interest. I mean, what is culturally relevant career and leadership training? That sounds like something I'm looking for. So how do I get some of that? Well, that's what Oscar is here to talk about today. Finally, a person who isn't white has a successful career now, but didn't always. And he went from being an ESL student, English as a second language student, to an author and a prac trainer of over 20,000 professionals across five continents. I love his mission and his motto, which is to empower you so opportunities come to you. Isn't that what we all want? That's what he does every day as the founder and CEO, the chief empowerment officer of Aspira Consulting. So Oscar, we are ready and willing to be empowered so opportunities come to us. But really quick, before we get going, I do want to try to make this as safe and open a conversation as possible, both for you and for you who are listening to us and tuning in to watch. There might be some sensitive or triggering topics that come up in our discussion. I might have just triggered you in some of my introduction. And so I commit to all of you, regardless of race, regardless of gender, you're all welcome here. And I am listening and sharing from a place of love and respect. Your story matters, Oscar. All of your stories matter. And your truth is welcome here. So all of you who are watching as well, same thing to you. You're welcome here. We want your questions. We want to answer your questions, which we'll do at the end after Oscar and I do a bit of Q&A. So please feel free to be honest while also being kind and courteous and respectful in the comments. Um, enter those questions. We're going to get to them. Thank you for being here today with us. And Oscar, welcome. And thank you for generously spending your time with us. 
Uh, no, thank you, Rosie. Thank you for uh, having me here. Listen, my friend, you are a pro at this. I think I'm going to hire you so you can uh, help me with my career talk with OG. <laughs> that was awesome. I love it. I love it. And, uh, but um, thank you very much. And you know what? Um, you mentioned about uh, you know my profile and what I said say on my on my profile that drew you know attention to me. One of the things that I have found is somehow, some way, there's energy out there that we put out, and we're attracted right to to certain type of energy, and and I'm attracted to people that are going places, that are kicking butt, taking no prisoners. People like yourself. And so thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the, the kind words and for, again, the uh, invitation to be here with you. And everyone that's on here, like we say in, in Spanish, mi casa es tu casa. My house is your house. So you're welcome here. Again, feel safe at home. Um, and just like Rosie say, you know, at the same time, be respectful and kind, okay, folks? Because otherwise, I'll shut the door to my house, okay? Kick you out. No. <laughs> we don't want to be shut out of Cancun, okay, Oscar? So. <laughs> and, you know, I, thank you for saying that. And also, thank you for saying that in Spanish. I, I want to talk about that, too, because that is one of the things that I love uh, about being dual culture is when we can bring in that other culture, but not always. So, okay, I, I jumped ahead because first, like I just I said culture. But even the word culture has been used in different terms. Like in a Western business setting, they talk about company culture, but I never felt like that was my culture. So when you say that you bring culturally relevant support, what does that mean to you? And what are you trying to do for your, the people you're supporting? Yeah. So here's the thing. Let me give you three things that I help people with, and then I'll give you a quick little uh, story about this. So what I mean by culturally relevant career and leadership training is my goal is to help people accomplish three things. Number one is to embrace our journey. We all have a story to tell, right? Um, and to teach us how to embrace that journey. And sometimes that journey, oftentimes that journey is painful. Um, there's a lot of ups and downs, but to learn how to heal from that and embrace our journey. Number two is to value our identity, who we are, right? For the longest time, and, and, it's, and it tends to happen too in, in American culture, Western society, where the dominant culture puts down, you know, minorities and, you know, whether it's overtly, subtly, or, you know, whatever. And you grow up sort of like feeling less than, and you talked about that in your intro. And then the third part of it is the power of vulnerability. We, and go back to your point about uh, company culture, oftentimes in Western culture, and, and we see this too in movies and sports and in different uh, aspects, is this, that, that tough person, the person that can handle it, uh, you know, whatever obstacle is, is thrown their way. And even uh, within Mexican culture, there is also the, that part of it that, you know, men don't cry, you know, that type of stuff. But believe it or not, vulnerability is, a, is actually a strength. So those, those three things. Now, a quick story to highlight this is, uh, and where I came up with this, I was my parents' translator 
since kindergarten until they passed away almost seven years ago. And I remember um, going to doctor's appointments um, with my mom, and my mom was diabetic. And um, one day, the, the uh, her doctor recommended she go and see a nutritionist to help her with her diet, eating, the type of foods to control her diabetes and so forth. And so there we are, my mom and I uh, speaking to the dietitian. I'm translating, and the dietitian pulls out this, uh, like a pictures of different foods and the foods around there were white bread you know orange juice very american type of a, of a food of a menu and i'm looking at that and i'm like and so my mom and i and i and i'm thinking it's like wait a minute my mom eats tortillas she does not eat when you know sliced bread okay Orange juice? What are you talking about? Orange juice? She's <laughs> over there drinking Coke, okay? Like soda. And, and, and it's just like, it didn't make any sense. That menu, those instructions, that diet that the nutritionist uh, guidance was giving my mother was not culturally relevant because it was meaningless, right? I mean, we walked out of there and like, gosh, it was just a total waste of time. And guess what? My mom and we never went back to the nutritionist because like, eh, they're not even helping, you know, moms are like, it's just a waste of time. And so, Fast forward now to our career and leadership. And so many times, whether it's, gosh, it even starts in, you know, in school, in high school, whether it's our high school counselor or whether in college, the career services department, or oftentimes, you know, as a professional, when we reach out to someone that does resume coaching or career coaching or setting up your LinkedIn profile. Many times these folks don't know how to provide and take our story and be able to translate our story in a way where we can then highlight, like I mentioned, our journey, our skill sets, our expertise in a way where we feel empowered and be able to communicate that so that we can attract those opportunities. So that's what I mean by providing culturally relevant career leadership training. Oscar, thank you for sharing that. You know, my grandmother had Parkinson's, my mom has Parkinson's, and they're Chinese. I really relate to that story about the medical care. I know that's a little bit off topic about career, but it's as ever when we experience marginalization or things that don't fit us, it is pervasive throughout all the different aspects of our life uh, and in society. It's definitely not just career. So you're totally right. From the foods we eat, to how we live, like the what makes us comfortable, what makes us not comfortable. Is there an example or a story maybe you can share about where you received culturally irrelevant advice in your career that you're like, this doesn't even, it's not even going to help me. Like, kind of like with your mom and just, well, that was a waste of time. Like, yeah. what, what's some stuff uh, that hasn't helped you, but people think it's, yeah. it's so well intended? Right. Well, so here's the thing is, is like, for example, early in my career, meaning like my senior year in college and you know, you start looking for, for jobs. Are you going to graduate? So you've got to go get a job. And I remember getting some help and putting together my resume. And so the, the you know, ask you questions about, okay, so what have you been doing in college? Have you been volunteering? What kind of jobs have you had? What about summer jobs, et cetera, and so forth. And I would share the typical jobs that I would do during the summer, maybe uh, working in retail or volunteering during the school year for this nonprofit and taking a leadership role. But here's the other piece of it, though, is, is that when I started doing, actually since I was 11 years old in fifth grade all the way until probably my early 30s, is every weekend 
I would help my parents with uh, their meat business. My dad in Mexico was a butcher. And so for a long time, every weekend while I was in college, I would drive home and help my dad make chorizo, Mexican sausage. And then the next morning, I would wake up and go to the flea market and sell it. Well, it didn't even cross my mind to even talk about the experience of working in my parents' business. And also, you know, I didn't share that or I wasn't asked like, hey, Oscar, you know what? Like these things that you're telling me, like, you know, to put in your resume, it's kind of, your resume is kind of looking a little skinny. Are you sure you're not, you haven't done anything else? In other words, to ask more deeper probing questions. And see, when I look back at that experience of helping my parents with their business, I learned skills like, for example, a strong work ethic, okay? I learned how to prioritize my schedule, how to balance, because there were times when, listen, I wanted to be hanging out at that fraternity party with my fraternity brothers, you know, drinking upside down margaritas and getting drunk and, you know, uh, in college. But my little rear end had to go home for the weekend to help my parents, right? Or figure out how to write that midterm paper or study for that final. These are all skills that we need to use and we learn in terms of balancing our workload in a typical work environment in just life in general. And so that's an example of how, you know, like today when I talk to professionals and, and, and help them with their careers, I go deeper and ask them, especially if they're my own. I'm like, listen, you know, let me share my own story here. Is there anything like that? And it's amazing how people begin to be like, oh my gosh, first of all, I didn't even realize that I could change the narrative and look at that life experience and be able to translate it into a skill set and then be able to tell that story to that recruiter or that hiring manager. This is gold. For all of you that are watching and listening, I hope you're writing this down because that is such an excellent example, especially for people a little bit earlier in their career or just graduating where they may not realize the experience that they have. And I think what you just shared also points out how these experiences become normalized, especially for immigrant families or families who don't have a lot when they're starting out. And this is just, what do you mean? It's not career experience. This is just me helping the family because that's what we've got to do. We're busting our butts and working hard and sacrificing. Yes. And But that's not something that goes on the resume because it doesn't look and sound like what other people who don't have those backgrounds and experiences put on their resume. Right. And no one's right. teaching you that other than you. No, like, no, no. Who's te- no, who no, tells no. you that? No. And you know what, Rosie? Here's the thing, too, is, is that when I look back at my life, I, um, I'm very blessed, very fortunate that I went to the top public university in, in the U.S., UC Berkeley. Okay? Very difficult, very challenging to get in there, into that university. But I'm going to tell you something. UC Berkeley or college professor never taught me how to overcome life challenges. You want to know who taught me how to overcome life challenges? It was a dishwasher and a housekeeper. That was my dad and my mom. Mm. Because the crap that they went through and how I have saw them overcome those life challenges, that is what has helped me overcome the life challenges and even be able to grow and succeed in my career. And then please don't, you know, I'm not minimizing a college degree at all, but I'm just, you know, emphasizing the point that we put so much emphasis on getting that college degree, that MBA, PhD. You know what? Listen, folks, okay? There's a bunch of knucklehead, PhD, highly educated folks out there. Can't even, like, the minute poop hits the fan, they're like, what do I do? They start, you know, Googling it. Dude, like, go find a, a mop and a broom and, and, and a dustpan and start cleaning that crap up, okay? That's what you need to do. 
Uh, and because I know you, I know you were thinking words other than knucklehead and poop when you were sharing that story too. <laughs> just being real, folks, just being real, but this is streaming live everywhere. So we're, we're, we're toning it down today. You're totally right. And I think this is also where I go back to what I said at the beginning, where we're not trying to hate on anybody. I value education as well. There's, there's huge value in that. But it's when we don't appreciate, again, the diversity of experiences and we're yes. devaluing things that add so much value, like respect to the parents, respect to the people who came over here from another country or whatever they went through. They may not be direct immigrants, but whatever they went through in their lives, but it's not something that you get a degree for. It's not something you get a yes, certification yes, for, yes. right? But it has that, value. Yes, yes. You're listening to the Changing Lenses podcast, shifting our worldview on business and work by looking through a Jedi lens. We'll get right back to the episode after this short message. Friend, are you resonating with this episode? Maybe you're going through a slow and frustrating job search. Maybe you don't have mentors or career coaches you can relate to who understand the racial, cultural, and gender barriers you face. If so, I feel you. I know what it's like to survive, succeed, and struggle in the Western business world as a Chinese-Canadian immigrant woman. I've been hired seven times, fired once, and done it all on the other side as a people manager and executive recruiter. Through it all, I really wished I had someone from a racialized background who could support me. That's why I created an online coaching program to support people with their job search and emotional needs in a system that discriminates against them. Just click on the link in the show notes that says, help me survive the search to access insider knowledge from a racialized recovering recruiter. That's me. I can't wait to see you there. Oscar, I wonder, because going back to what you said at the beginning, where you brought in a little bit of Spanglish. And if you haven't watched Oscar's lives before, check it out. Not only is it incredibly useful information because he talks about this and so much more, but I also love that you can engage with your audience and, and just in general, feel free to use Spanish and, and use terms that as a non-Spanish speaker and you know, someone who isn't a Latina by background, I won't necessarily understand. But I actually really appreciate that because that's the whole point is people from the same culture will understand without having to do a whole explanation. And that's also what it is in the US and Canada where there's a lot of in-jokes that if you're not from there, you won't understand, but you're expected to understand. So I just like, how did you get to the point of maybe being comfortable? Because that's also where I felt embarrassed. Now it's, it's exotic. So it's kind of okay to use different <laughs> languages. Oh, people want to, they want to learn Chinese words or they want to learn Spanish words, right? And they butcher them. But it's yeah. in a way it's like, oh, it's cute. It's nice. But I also don't feel like they really appreciate the true meaning behind things. So yeah, yeah. like how do you marry the fact that you do speak two languages and you can't say the same things? And when is it okay to use Spanglish? When is it not okay? Like, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that's a great question, uh, Rosie. So here's the thing is, is that first off, it's who I am. I'm bicultural. I was born in California, parents from Mexico. I lived my first five years in Mexico. And growing up, my dad was very strict with my younger brother and I in terms of speaking Spanish. So we grew up speaking Spanish at home and keeping the, the Spanish language. And as I got more comfortable with who I am and, and my identity, I, what I realized is, is that it's almost like there's three cultures in me. So there's the, like you, right? I 
I can I can hang and, and roll with, in the in the American culture, corporate culture, et cetera, and so forth. I can be around, you know, and I have been around a room full of white people. I'm the only minority there. I can also hang out with Mexicans and family and friends. And hello, right now I'm in Mexico. But there's also the third group, and that is those of us that again that are bicultural culture cultural and where we it is custom uh, customary to blend in the the two cultures the two languages the english and the spanish so i've grown up with these three cultures i guess we want to call them that and for me it's just become not automatic that it's just me i roll with it i say it and if someone doesn't understand well ask me questions okay or if or if you do understand it, well, then awesome. We'll, we'll go for it. But yeah, it's like driving a stick shift. After a while, you get to know how to drive it. You can be eating your hamburger and, you know, shifting gears and talking on the phone and all that type of stuff, you know. So yeah, it's mm-hmm. just part of who I am now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I love it. I, I'm glad that you're at that place because I think that is part of being the real you and bringing your whole self to wherever you are. Okay, I really want to ask you this because... I find that a lot of cultures, frankly, if we're not white, wherever we are in the world, we've probably been colonized, right? Because that, that is how it has happened globally. And the term Asian covers a huge, vast number of different countries, different cultures. But I do find that there is some similarities around shame and being very deferential to others, um, being very humble, I think sometimes to our own detriment. And I struggled with this in business because I feel like to succeed, we're taught in Western culture to be aggressive and to ask for what you want and to talk about all your accomplishments and sell yourself and promote yourself. But growing up as a kid, you know, because that that was our way, and at least in my family, was like, oh, no, Rosie, she's whatever. That A was really terrible. So your daughter got an A plus. Like, that's so much better, right? Just... And, it, and that's how I grew up. So this also there's this third culture that we live in. I love that point that you made. It's I'm not 100% Chinese. I'm not 100% Canadian. I'm Canadian Chinese. And that's its own culture in a certain way, right? Yeah. How did you navigate or maybe what advice do you have for people navigating when my culture might not be to what I feel like bragging about myself? And yet that's what I seem to need to do to get ahead. Yeah. So first off, the humility is a positive trait, but I think, and you said something earlier, is, is that you said that it can be to a detriment. I think any any trait that value to one extreme or the other, there's detriments, there's pros and cons, right? Um, I grew up too. My dad would say, hey, you know, don't brag. Let your work, let your actions speak louder. And I'm like, oh yeah, that kind of makes sense. But there's also a time and a place when we do need to brag. And from a career standpoint, I tell people, listen, you got to brag on that cover letter. You got to brag on that resume. You got to brag on your LinkedIn profile. You need to let the world know that you are a badass because if you don't in those situations, then you're going to get passed over. It's, it's going to take longer for you to move up in the corporate ladder, et cetera, and so forth. And so what I believe that it comes down to is understanding and to you know also to go back to something you said earlier is uh, the corporate game understand what 
the the rules are, what how to play the game, this corporate game, and know when it is that you need to let folks know the skill sets, the amazing work that you do. Now, one of the things, and this is on, on LinkedIn, one of the things that I have learned to do uh, in terms of promoting myself and the work that I do on LinkedIn without coming across like that, like I'm just bragging, you know, and just letting the world know, you know, this and that, is I use what, I, what is called the boomerang effect. Now, mm. if you know how to throw a boomerang correctly, the boomerang goes away from you and then it comes back to you. And so the boomerang effect uh, specifically is where, let's say, for example, like in my case, I'll use myself as an example. I do a, uh, a talk l- l- like this one. Okay, so you invite me here and we're on LinkedIn Live and I want to share a little snippet about this. So the way I would write it and talk about it is I would highlight you first, the work that you do, you know, the points, you know, that you cover, et cetera, and so forth. And maybe uh, talk about, you know, two or three other points about what it is that I covered and, and, and tell, you know, how honored it is saying it. But I would leave by highlighting you, the work that you do. And then I would end with, again, my points that I cover a little story. What most people do is they talk about themselves first. I'm so honored that I was on Rosie's. Well, listen, knucklehead, what does that got to do with me as your reader? Okay, that you're on. I don't give a crap that you're honored. I want to know what's in it for me, right? Mm. And then for you, Rosie, if I highlight you, you're going to feel very special, as you should be, because you are. You're like, wow, this is kind of cool. See, mm-hmm. folks, it's and, 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 and this is not rocket science. It's boomerang effect. It's not, folks. It's things that we most of our cultures teach us. Right? Highlight yeah. other people. Yeah. And that's a way where we can be humble, but we can let kick some ass too. Be humble and be a buck kicker. Again, just pure gold. Uh, you know, I, I do want to say, I think you're right that a lot of cultures teach that, but I feel like that gets lost in capitalism, right? Because it is all about how can I get ahead? How can I be number one? And yeah. so thank you for bringing this back to it's okay to highlight. Not only is it okay, but I think it comes naturally to, to most of us. Like a lot of us, I think, are very altruistic and and generous and especially when we're talking about equity diversity and inclusion work people who care about that are already caring about other people so you're just telling us basically to be ourselves be more ourselves right yes (laughs) yes oh my god you guys i mean like here's the thing is is that people like when it comes to networking right that's another area that many of us are afraid we don't know especially you know like you and i rosie were you know introverts right we're like oh my god networking tends to have a negative connotation and what I realized is, is that in, in Latino culture and many other culture, Asian culture, and, you know, many other cultures, it's about relationship first, business second, relationship first, business second. But you get into the corporate world and it's business first. And if a relationship ever happens, oh, well, that's great. And it's like, no, folks, we need to come back and stay true to what our culture teaches us, that relationship first than business. I remember back in 2019 when I went to Panama to do a a week-long series of trainings and I got done doing my first workshop and this gentleman comes up and introduces himself and, you know, says hello, et cetera, and so forth. And turns out that he is Mexican living in Panama. And he said to me, he said, hey, I would love to invite you to my house tonight, you and your team for dinner. A complete 
stranger. Hmm. Imagine in the U.S. that you have to, Rosie, you do a talk and someone comes up to you and says, hey, Rosie, I love your talk. Come over to my house for dinner. That's weird. Mm-hmm. I get this, 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 this. But, but in, 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 in Latino culture, that's not yeah. weird. Yeah. That is kindness. That is yes. showing that I trust you and I welcome you to, our, to my most sacred sanctuary inside my home. Yeah. And so, folks, don't, whatever you do, like Rosie said, be yourself. Know that the cultural values that we have are awesome and they will continue to help us move ahead. All we need to do is just maybe add a little bit of ketchup to that taco. Okay? <laughs> There's another sauce that you mentioned me to before, too, that I can't remember, but is like, what is the sauce that is very commonly used? In- oh, oh, I think you're talking about the, the, tajin, the tajin. Yes, the tahin. Yeah. Yes. We need to put some more tahin in what we're eating. Oscar, I'm wondering if you could just kind of give us some some parting advice or parting parting last words. Maybe first to employers, if they aren't from dual cultures or triple cultures, but they want to be culturally relevant, how can they do that when they only have one culture? Yeah. So, listen, folks. I'm very simple, very practical. Okay. There's obviously there's more to uh, to this answer than what I can give right now. But listen, okay. If you keep having lunch, okay, at that same Starbucks, maybe you need to go to the other side of the road and go hang out and eat, you know, uh, boba tea, or maybe you need to have, you know, Mm -hmm. Cafe de Loya. Maybe you just need to start going to places where people from other cultures are hanging out so that you can get exposed to it. Listen, even for me being Mexican, I mean, this is the first time that I've been to Cancun. I mean, this is this is a different part, just like in the U.S. U.S. is different. West Coast from East Coast, South, you know, North, East, all, there's, there's differences. And so expose yourself to different cultures, different people, different ideas, right? Um, maybe start following uh, on social media. Some people start following people like Rosie or other people out there at their content, right? So that you can begin to understand and begin to value these differences. So that's what I recommend for employers. Awesome. Thank you. Hope you guys wrote that down. And Changing Lenses, which is, it's my podcast. It's what I'm all about. I call it Changing Lenses because I believe empathy and understanding and inclusion comes when we can take off the default filters that we all come with, how we see the world, how we see people, and can see people differently. So I wonder, as we're ending this amazing, wonderful, joyful conversation today, how do you really want us, what's your call out to us, Oscar, to change our lenses and to see people with different cultures, people who are racialized people, who are immigrants, how can we see them differently going forward? Yeah, so first off, what I recommend is, Suzanne, I want you to see your journey differently. I grew up being told that I was a minority and that being a minority tends to have a negative connotation. First generation, first graduate from college, low income, language, et cetera, et cetera, and so forth, okay? We talked about some of those things. But here's the thing, folks, is when I got into the corporate world and I I was in uh, team meetings and we started talking about how can we beat the competition? We talk about how are we different from the 
competition. What is GP different? How can our product? In other words, the word different keep kept coming up. And then all of a sudden I just reflected in my childhood and my life growing up. And I'm like, wait a minute, growing up, different had a negative connotation. I was told that I was different and that was a bad thing. And now I'm in the corporate world and and, and I'm hearing that being different is a powerful thing. I'm like, screw this. I have been groomed to kick ass in love because I've been different the entire time. I've been a minority and I am damn proud of being a minority because anyone that's ever accomplished anything of significance is a minority. It's only a small percentage. That's where we start. First, start with yourself and valuing your journey. Host, did I not tell you that Oscar was going to empower us today? Like if we are not coming away from this feeling like a little bit taller in our boots or whatever, where in, in Canada, I'm wearing boots. <laughs> if we're not walking away feeling a little bit taller, wow, listen to this again. This is just amazing. And Oscar, if people can't get enough of you, because I know I can't, is there a way that they can also contact you and follow you and, and learn more from you? You can connect with me on LinkedIn, Oscar Garcia mm. at Espita. Consulting. I do also have a podcast called Career Talk with OG uh, as well. So uh, a lot of great information that's that shared there uh, as well. So those are some ways. Awesome. Thank you. Yes. OG, the original. OG. <laughs> <laughs> OG, the OG. Yes. Go check out his podcast <laughs> as well. Okay. We've got a few questions. So let me get to those. Uh, we have a LinkedIn user asking, what are some examples of corporate policies that we should challenge um, that will make it more culturally relevant? Interesting question. What do you think, Oscar? Yeah, well, that's, a, that's kind of a broad question here. Yeah. But, uh, so he, here's, again, coming back because I'm very practical, okay, is, is that one of the things that I would challenge is where your company is looking for talent. We, it's just, yeah, so it's, human nature, right? We tend to go to places that we are familiar or groups that we're familiar with. But I would I would encourage or challenge that that your company expand its recruiting efforts. Maybe for example, is recruiting from Hispanic serving institutions. These are colleges or universities in the US that uh, at least twenty five percent of the student body is Hispanic. There's also historically that black colleges and universities as well. Those are just some examples, okay? All, there's also professional associations that you can connect with and do some recruiting. So that's one policy that I would encourage people to challenge. Awesome. Thanks for that, Oscar. And if you're in Canada as well, I know that they, similar, like people have been asking the questions, where can we go to find talent from diverse backgrounds? I would add to that, that it's not just about finding them, it's about attracting them. So how are you yep. attracting them? By creating a company culture that invites and welcomes a variety of cultures. Yes, All right. Yes, great. <laughs> uh, I'm going to uh, go to a question now from Faria. How would you go about trying to respect Western work culture and participating while still staying true to your values? Ah, yes. Oh, this is a great question. I have some Muslim friends who've had this. So Faria said she's a Muslim. She doesn't drink, but drinking is a big social thing after work. Yes, it is. That's what the people love, especially if you're in banking and financial. Yeah. What do you think about that, Oscar? How can, how can in that example, as one? Yeah. Oh, this is, um, so one thing, uh, Korea, is there's two ideas that come to my mind. One is look at potentially starting here in the U.S. We call it employee resource group, okay? Mm -hmm. But 
maybe uh, starting a start off with a, a small group of employees at your company that share the similar culture or interest in knowing about the Muslim culture. Because once you start forming this group, it's a support group and, you know, it can lead to um, expanding that into changing some policies, et cetera, to creating some events and, and so forth. The other piece of it too is in terms of like feeling awkward. See, here's the thing is, is that I have, I know some people that also don't drink, not because of, you know, their religion or anything like that. They're just, they just don't drink. And so what they do is they walk around with uh, a, a cup that has soda with a lime in it. That's it. And it just, you know, you can't tell that there's no alcohol or anything like that. And, and that's what they do. And, and they're hanging out there uh, socializing. I think more the part though is, is that if you're feeling uncomfortable or, or awkward, I'm kind of guessing that there is some other elements that are going on here. Maybe some conversations where maybe people are look know that you don't drink and so they're looking at you or making you feel awkward. And I think at that point, maybe it is time, if that's the case, it's it's almost kind of become more, it's becoming more of this culture, right? That drinking it's accepted and anyone that doesn't drink, you're the outsider, you're the outcast. And I think if that's the case, then, then maybe it's time to talk to your manager or maybe talk to HR not from a position of like, they're making me, you know, they're bad people or anything, but it's like, hey, this is me. This is how I feel. And I don't feel welcome. What can you recommend? What are some things that we can do uh, as a company here to be more inclusive? I love that. And I think that sort of addresses Faria's other question too, about how to start the conversations when we're talking about ERGs or you know, it's in some ways, it, I know it's uncomfortable to do that, especially when everybody around you is drinking or whatever the majority is doing that you're the minority in. But I think to to try as much as possible, I think to do what you said earlier, also just to feel like you could be yourself and be like, no, no, thanks. I, I don't drink. And they don't have to know why. If you feel comfortable, you can share it. But I think there's because there's still that stigma, it's like there's so much attached to being Muslim beyond just the not drinking that maybe that's also that discomfort. But as much yeah. as possible for you, I'd encourage you to like, no, actually, I, I don't believe in drinking. I don't, you know, I, I don't need to drink, to, but I'd like to go and have a good time and I don't need to drink for that. And to kind of make it as much matter of fact as possible versus an explanation. Because yeah. I feel right. that's also where a lot of times like, well, you don't do what the majority does. Justify that. Like explain yourself. You don't need to, you can explain yourself as much as you want, but if you just treat it as, no, this is the norm, actually. You're just because yeah. you're the majority, that doesn't make it the norm. This is my norm yeah. and I'm okay with that. Yes, yes, yes. Right? Yes. Empowered. Be empowered like Oscar says. <laughs> okay. I think there was one more question that we couldn't get to, but we're up in time and I really want to let, uh, you know, Oscar, he's a very busy person and needs to do his stuff too. So feel free to message me though, if there's anything else that we didn't get to, you really want to talk about. I forgot to say that I, of course I'm on LinkedIn because I'm broadcasting there right now. So um, connect with me, message me, love to hear your questions, love to hear your feedback too. So thank you, Oscar, for being here today. It was, it was a joy for me. I hope it was a joy for everybody who's watching. You just exude energy and it. I don't know how you're an introvert, but yes, this is, this is what amazes me. Thank you for coming here and being with, here, thank with you. us today. Thank you, Nora. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. That's a wrap. This episode of Changing Lenses was produced and hosted by me, Rosie Young, with associate production by William Liu. 
on land that was taken from many indigenous nations, including the Anishinaabe, the Huron-Wendat, the Mississaugas of the Credit, and the Haudenosaunee Confederacy. Today, it is still the home of many diverse First Nations, Inuit, and Métis people, with whom I seek to reconcile by learning the true history of colonization, including things that seemed legal and honorable, like treaties, but were often marked by fraud and coercion. I'm changing my lens by learning to see land, creation, even business and economy through Indigenous worldviews. And I'm making new friends and building relationships with Indigenous neighbors, cousins, aunties and uncles in a genuine desire to know, love and honor them and live together in peace. This podcast is one way I'm sharing what I learn to help settler immigrant folks decolonize our thinking and respond to the calls to action from the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. Miigwech, doje, xie xie, merci, and thank you.